my first guest. Uh, I always receive uh, lots of emails from, uh, from from you saying, I'd like this person on the show, I'd like that person on the show. But by far and away, the number one request in terms of a guest uh, that I get is this gentleman. He is, I mentioned before, he's, he's sort of a guru in the conspiracy uh, theory culture. Uh, Alan Watt is his name. He's a longtime researcher into the causative forces behind major changes in historical development, and his website is called CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Alan Watt, uh, once again, a pleasure to welcome you to the Richard Serrett Show, uh, News Talk 1010 CFRB. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on on this cold night. Uh, indeed. Uh, now you're up in uh, Sudbury Way. Yeah. Uh, and I happen to be on your website, and I and uh, you have lots of material there that's free to download. You've got a video uh, there that you've recently produced called Reality Check. Yeah. And uh, that is, uh, there's some, some amazing stuff in there. We're going to talk a little bit about that. The, the, pro the process of creating and destroying a civilization by these uh, super-ruling elite families, uh, how wars are created by these same groups to consolidate power, and uh, as you point out, the elite are never on the losing end of the war. They simply discard the old used-up empire like an old jacket and move their base of operation to a new location, and we've seen this time and time again throughout history. So that's we're going to talk specifically tonight about the end of the Anglo-American Empire. Uh, now, but before we do that, talk to me a little bit about how these ruling elites, first of all, create uh, our reality for us. Whether we're talking about uh, you know cities or uh, or culture or uh, an economic system, it, it's all connected because. Thousands of years ago, some of the Greek philosophers described the process of how uh, an aristocracy comes to be, uh, primarily through selective uh, breeding, uh, special breeding. Darwinianism is nothing new whatsoever. In fact, it's a religion with the with the elite, and, and all Darwin did was express the, the high, the very high Masonic religion, which they all had been taught. So the, the ancient philosophers, like Plato, go, go into the, the culture creation and how you can take over people, give them a culture, uh, upgrade their culture in the, in the direction it suits you, when it suits you, and for the purposes that it, that it does suit you, so they'll serve you. Uh, they also talked about how they created wars. Uh, the, the ancient Greeks, um, in their heyday, had many islands, and overpopulation was one of their prime concerns. So they used to arrange little wars between the different islands at different times to cull off uh, so much of their population. And, of course, the, the aristocracy, even in those days, you might say that they were the early military-industrial complex, uh, so they would finance the, um, the wars and the armor and the, the horses and all the, the, the backup that's necessary. So there's nothing really new under the sun, as they say. And uh, this knowledge was never lost. Uh, they were writing about this two and a half thousand years ago. Now, uh, the idea that the elite, these elites could uh, foment wars would tend to suggest that there are no, uh, you know, for example, the Cold War. It, it was the, the Americans or the West versus the Soviets. Uh, but really... The, the Soviets 
and the Americans were being ruled by the same group, so they were fighting themselves. Yes, I mean, if you look into the early history of the Soviet or, or the Bolshevik Revolution, and there, there were many books published in the West that, uh, prior to the revolution and during it, and immediately afterwards, and you'll find that the West was all for the revolution. In fact, the British aristocracy used to get guided tours uh, and go and visit Lenin. Uh, Trotsky used to complain about it, and he wrote about it in his own books, his own memoirs. I read once when Khrushchev came to the United States, uh, I think it was the first time back in the, uh, the early 60s, and he went to Disneyland and, of course, uh, mm -hmm. uh, met with, with JFK. Uh, but the first place he went was uh, to see David Rockefeller. It, yes, that's right. And not only that, Winston Churchill, prior to that in World War II, or, or, and he used to come over to, it wasn't FDR he went to see first, it was Bernard Baruch, who was the biggest banker at the time uh, in the U.S. So that's where the power lies. Yeah. Uh, and just before uh, Khrushchev was sort of removed from power after the, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, I believe around, well, a few years after that, 1964, I think before Brezhnev came in, mm -hmm. uh, interesting that the, 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 the um, David Rockefeller again had made a trip to Moscow and the very next day Khrushchev was sort of quietly pushed out of the way. Yes. Uh, Alan Watt, my guest, we're talking about the end of the Anglo-American Empire, but much more really, the, the ruling elites and how they create, destroy civilizations, create culture, uh, create war in order to consolidate power. And uh, his website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. 416-872-1010. Star Talk. Star 8255. And toll free from out of town, 1-800-561-CFRB. Uh, Alan, when we come back, let's talk a little bit about, uh, since we're talking about the decline of the American empire, let's talk a little bit about Western culture and how that was created for us, sort of top-down, whether we're talking about the Beatles experiment or the Elvis Presley experiment, these types of things. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll sort of we'll get into that. That's uh, always an interesting area for me as well. Four one six eight seven two ten ten. Star talks and, and toll free from out of town. One eight hundred five six one CFRB. The Richard Serrett Show here on News Talk ten ten CFRB. We're talking about the end of the Anglo-American Empire, the creation, destroying of civilizations by the ruling elite. How these uh, powerful, powerful ancient bloodlines use uh, war uh, to consolidate power. And how they really, uh, once they, they build up a, an empire and uh, suck it dry, basically, and are ready to move on to something else, they simply discard it like a, an, an old jacket and uh, move their base of, of operation to a new location. But let's, let's talk about uh, how they use culture uh, to uh, control us, in a sense. And it's interesting, you know, the website, uh, Alan, cutting through the matrix. Mm -hmm. Talk about a matrix, a sort of an artificial reality, which is what they've, I guess, created for us. And, and culture is a lot of that. It, it, it's created sort of from the top down. It's not a democratic process, certainly. Yeah. Uh, through, I guess, things like vertical integration, when they own all the means of, of uh, you know, they uh, they own the, the record companies, they own the radio stations and the newspapers, uh, and then they they can create uh, certain um, phenomena, cultural phenomena, like uh, the El Elvis Presley or the Beatles. Uh, yeah. How how are they using those to, to control society? Well, even before, long before that, uh, I mean, again, you can read Plato's Republic. He goes into the culture creation industry, where uh, at one time in Greece, for instance, ancient Greece, everyone had to attend uh, at least one 
um, showing of traveling road shows where they'd have drama plays put on and uh, even the slaves had to attend and from those they got they did actually mimic certain new words uh, habits um, gestures uh, catchphrases and also the fashions were involved so and he actually called it uh, the, the fashion industry and the music industry at that time actually use those terms? yeah wow and nothing's changed because you give people a culture when you're born you 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 think everything is quite natural simply because it exists this way you see and if your parents don't know and they've adopted it too and never ask questions then the child never thinks to ask questions like why is there money who controls money um why are my parents always worried about money etc uh, etc et that kind of thing we think it's normal and school up until now really has been training children uh, from a very early age to get prepared to spend eight hours a day at work or more you know that's what school is for it's a process to earn money to pay taxes to be a good citizen and then you have the special elite uh, bureaucracies that that and expert classes that run your life for you uh, this is the end product that they were aiming for uh, discussed by Aldo Huxley and discussed by Bertrand Russell, a world run by experts where even your opinions are marketed to you. And children who haven't got parents to tell them this will think it's all quite natural, including the music they listen to. Um, a long time ago, really a hundred odd years ago, they tried to bring in an early form of jazz and the miniskirt um, and free sex and H.G. Wells was picked by Huxley's grandfather, uh, the professor in England, uh, to be a propagandist for this newest coming establishment. And uh, Wells wrote about free love in the late 1800s. What was the purpose of that? Was it an attempt to undermine the family? Yeah, mm-hmm. they knew that the, the, uh, the industrial era uh, would only last so much longer. And they were already planning a post-industrial society um, with a, a managed uh, population who would accept authority without question. Uh, as apart from the old times, people used to rebel once in a while in different countries, and they were looking for scientific means to control the people. And what they realized is that the family unit was the last vestige of the tribe. And when Big Brother comes looking for you, uh, the whole tribe might stand up and help defend you. Uh, so they'd have, the government wanted to have uh, no obstacles in the way from themselves to each individual, and they've been very successful in marketing this new system. Do you think the feminist movement was created for the same purpose? Absolutely. It was written about long before we saw it emerge um, in scientific circles, including the communist uh, system and the manifesto the end of the all of that that was discussed even in the late 1800s by the followers of marx is it this overt uh, alan that uh, for example uh, uh, let's take for example the sex drugs and rock and roll mm-hmm. uh, a culture that came out of the 60s i think I've, uh, the, the name that's been attached to it is project aquarius mm-hmm. uh, does this come is there like a meeting at the tavistock institute and someone stands up with a f- folder and says, I've got four young lads we've discovered playing down in a, in a, in a cavern club in Liverpool. I think if we get the machinery behind these people, uh, we can, they can introduce 
uh, you know, LSD to the Americans, mm -hmm. and it'll be a great distraction. Does it happen just like that? And no, they, they always do a lot of groundwork first. And when they brought the Beatles out, they had four clean-cut guys so that the parents wouldn't object. And they, they had uh, special suits made for them without the collar and little things like that and a little Beatle haircut, a little fringe on the, on, the, on the brow, but no long hair, no beards, no drugs. And the first few songs were just dance-along type songs. And once they had a big, big following, and mind you, they immediately had a big following because the marketers and all the media worldwide joined in at the same time. And that took big bucks to promote and, and to get that across. And uh, there were guaranteed hits from then on because people like what they're told to like. That's what you find. I guess my point was, do you think that the Beatles were, in fact, a psychological or a psychological warfare experiment? Oh, oh, there's no doubt on that. There's no doubt. You, you can go into um, the words of the songs, never mind uh, the, the sort of uh, musician that put it together for them. There's a lot of classical stuff involved there, too. If you look at the chord schemes, etc. Uh, no novices play that kind of stuff. And tempo changes and key changes... Uh, in the middle of songs, right off the bat, when you're that young, without, and none of them had any uh, musical education, according to themselves. And Paul McCartney said that he still can't write music, you know, or read it. Interesting. I had heard that uh, in 1969, John Lennon traveled to Toronto prior to the Beatles uh, announcing their breakup, and that he met with Marshall McLuhan. Yeah. And McLuhan sort of said, set Lennon straight as to how he was being used and who he was and, and uh, what it was all about in terms of what you've just been describing. And for, for, for uh, Lennon, that sort of cemented his decision. So, yeah, I, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah, he was told, uh, McLuhan told him, uh, and he really respected McLuhan. Uh, McLuhan told him, he says, you're being used. And they, they told him why. Because Lennon did envisage this great new... Uh, world where everyone would be treated equally and uh, fairly, etc. Um, and he was, he was told straight out he was being used, and that's when the, the breakup started, really, after that. Alan Watt is uh, cutting through the matrix.com as the website, longtime researcher into the causative forces behind major changes in historical development. Uh, when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll talk about how the, what, or what the ruling elite have in store for uh, North America. Uh, the end of the Anglo-American Empire in sight, perhaps. 416-872-1010, StarTalk, toll-free from out of town, 1-800-561-CFRB. The Richard Serrett Show, back with more in a moment on News Talk 1010. Welcome back, Alan Watt, my guest, www.cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Um, Alan, if you look at what's going on uh, in the United States in particular, uh, all this outsourcing um, and... Uh, um, the, the, the rot that has set in in the inner cities, uh, and it seems to be uh, just no political will to do much about about that. Uh, it's, I mean, if you didn't know any better, uh, the misadventures in the Middle East, mm -hmm. uh, if you didn't know any better, you would suspect that they're deliberately trying to wreck their own country. Well, you're right. You always destroy the old to bring in the new. That's part of the system. Well, and let's talk a little bit about uh, about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, the general population simply have a purpose for a ruling elite, uh, so they're they're very utilitarian. And once your purpose is over, uh, they have no problems about finding ways to dispose of you. Uh, 
uh, we uh, only last week I think it was there was a sudden push across Canada it all broke out in little places even Sudbury for the new sustainable development from the United Nations and again uh, all over the place there's little blurbs about new uh, eco villages now these are the habitat areas of the United Nations they're authorized by the UN these are to be the habitat areas for the future but not for the average person it's for the wealthy a wealthy class of people and once the world has been emptied and it's basically returned to their uh, mm-hmm. yeah, sort of a new feudalism yes and that the UN authorized it under agenda 21 as the agenda for the 21st century where there's be a vast reduction in population the UN will take over the reins of government openly that is, it has been already for a long time, but they'll be open about it after 2010, because then the, the Americas will be officially completely joined. Uh, that was also part of the, the, the whole plan. And um, the UN eventually have said, too, that they would dish out the food to the three trading blocks of the world, and it will be up to each, each, play, each block to make sure that it keeps its population in check because if they go over a certain limit, uh, they will not get extra food. So uh, definitely the population planning, or uh, rather than family planning, uh, family planning was the start of it. This is the whole thing now, is population planning. That's coming, and uh, we're, go- we're looking at to a completely controlled system for the near future, really. Uh, but the idea of, uh, of uh, outsourcing, for example, and all, a lot of these manufacturing jobs moving to uh, Mexico or moving to China, mm-hmm. a Walmart, you know, all of their goods now practically made in China. Yep. Um, uh, and ostensibly, the United States is supposed to be not at war with China, but preparing for the, inevi- the oh, inevitable yeah. war with China. It seems to me, though, uh, that, 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 that there's a little bit of an inconsistency there. It, it's mm-hmm. almost like the... That the, the elites in North America are preparing to move their base of operation to China. Uh, they already are. It's been happening for a few years now. In fact, they've even had it on television, <laughs> uh, where they show you these brand new super cities that have been put up, ultra ultra modern, the latest things, with all the gadgetry uh, for the elite of the West to move straight into. Uh, they're already set up, and I know people because I get calls from higher level bureaucrats in the US and they've been training their children to speak Chinese over for the last oh, 10 years or so and they're, they're taking them over to these cities to work so there's, there's nothing new in this at all our own Maurice Strong of Canada uh, was over there for years setting up a lot of this uh, new system uh, and, and China also got the backing of the United Nations as the model state for the world because of the way it plans its society, keeps its population in check, and uh, runs with an iron fist, you might say. So uh, China is the model state for the whole world. We're supposed to copy them. Now, uh, is it inevitable? Is a war being uh, planned between the United States and China by these ruling elites? I, don't, I doubt it. It was the same nonsense with the Soviet Union and the, and the States. Um, when inquiries went on back in the 60s and 70s uh, as to the big foundations in the U.S., like the Rockefeller Foundation, Ford and Carnegie, etc., uh, I think it was uh, the Rees Commission was held, and uh, it was Norman Dodds who went to the Ford Foundation that's now run by the Rockefeller Foundation, 
And the chairman told him, he says, our job as a foundation is to plan the future so that the U.S. and the Soviet system will merge into one without any problems. Yeah, at the height of the Cold War, uh, even Eisenhower, uh, and later, much later Reagan, of course, who referred to the Soviets as an evil empire, they were, they were uh, secretly, or not, I don't know how even secretly, but meeting, negotiating with uh, their, their Soviet counterpart parts on, on um, you know, uh, cooperating in terms of uh, education and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And, and also we have um, Al- uh, Toffler, uh, who came out with the third way. Uh, that was a merger of uh, communism and capitalism uh, so that uh, an aristocracy would run the world, a very rich aristocracy, but beneath them would be a huge bureaucratic system running the, the people uh, in a communistic-type fashion. So that was called The Third Way, and Toffler, of course, wrote Future Shock and other, other big books. Uh, and every congressman in the U.S. was given a copy of that book by Newt Gingrich. So that was the, that is the plan. Um, they, they have merged the Soviet system. We see it in the bureaucracies we have. They're, they just grow like crazy. Uh, is uh, part of the depopulation uh, a plan? Does it involve limited nuclear wars, say, uh, set off by uh, an invasion of Iran or something like that? I, I don't think that's even necessary, to be honest with you. I've got books from the Royal uh, Institute of International Affairs, and Canada has its institute, this Canadian Institute of International Affairs. Every Commonwealth country has one, and they work towards world government. And uh, when you have the, the minutes of their meetings over the years, they discussed this years ago, uh, that eventually China would take over from the U.S. as the policeman of the world for a while. So that will happen as the U.S. goes down to... And they said that, that the U.S. would exhaust itself through the final wars, and then China would take over because they would be the only ones who could afford an army. You know. But those at the top, whether you're talking about... Uh Morgans or the mm-hmm. Rockefellers or the Rothschilds, uh, they're not going to be on the losing end. They're simply going to move their headquarters yes. to the Far East, I guess. Absolutely. As I say, Maurice Strong, what an amazing guy that is. Canada's a big player in this. We have big families in Canada, but they're very quiet. But Maurice Strong, uh, the work all his life for the Rockefeller family, um, I, saw, I saw a program on the public broadcasting one night on, on a Sunday a Sunday uh, rainy evening and I, I, I'd seldom watch TV and it was about Maurice Strong in China and he had a huge complex there uh, uh, donated by the United Nations and he was working towards the, the, the all integration of trade with China and had been for quite a few years this is after he left Ontario Hydro that he privatized that's why they brought him in before that he was, he was second or in command of the World Bank well in this little talk about China uh, he, he left, and this was in Beijing, he left his main complex, went to a graveyard to lay a wreath on his, I think it was his aunt's grave. And, and it said on his aunt's grave that she was one of the main advisors to Mao Zedong. Unbelievable. That's incredible. And that was on public broadcasting. Yeah. Well, it, it, Mao Zedong, one of the greatest mass murderers of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, you know, uh, people like Pierre Trudeau uh, just thought he was a hero. Well, Pierre Trudeau, remember, was head of the Comintern, that's the International Communist Party, and he led the Canadian delegation to, to Moscow in 1952. Now, every, every media in Canada knew that, but none of them mentioned that particular fact when he ran for, 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 uh, for prime ministership. 
yeah, and, and, and even some of those who parade around as, as, uh, as uh, you know, uh, Republicans or conservatives or, or capitalists are really uh, underneath that uh, collectivist. That, that's a, a fact. They're all chosen long before the public even hear of them to vote for. Uh, they're vetted their entire lives, and many of them are actually trained uh, from a very early age, uh, just like um, uh, the road scholarships do. They train them from a very early age, give them special benefits, and give them a, a, a protection from the law. They can do things that other young, young boys can't do and get away with. So they, they grow up very arrogant, very confident, and, uh, and they go along with this globalist, elitist agenda, believing that they are elitist themselves. Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix on the Richard Sarah Show, back with more in a moment on News Talk 1010 CFRB. Sure. Go ahead. Believe everything you see on television, everything you read in the newspaper. Go ahead. Get your history out of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah, that's right. Oswald killed Kennedy. Yeah, sure he did. Man, you are living in Disneyland. Continue. Who you scared of, Dave? Me? Everybody. Welcome back, Alan Watt, my guest, cutting through the matrix.com. I, uh, I highly recommend you check out the website and um, download the, the free uh, the video there uh, called Reality Check. A lot of the things that we're talking about tonight, he talks about uh, maybe in greater detail uh, on, the, uh, on that video that uh, he produced recently. And uh, right now we're talking about, uh, well, a, a pretty big, broad issue, uh, but it's really about the, how uh, the, the, the ruling elites, these are ancient bloodlines, uh, and how they create our realities for us, how they create and destroy civilizations and empires uh, to suit their own needs, create wars to consolidate power and to bring about major changes, uh, paradigm shifts. Uh, and uh, we were talking about um, well, we were talking about the, the emergence of China, and uh, uh, how does the Europe, the, the North American Union, which is being planned under our very noses, uh, how does that fit into the scheme to basically disassemble the North, the, uh, the North American Empire, the American Empire? Well, they've had every year, they've had for many years, they've had the summit of the Americas, and uh, this, these panels from all countries were have been working uh, diligently. Um, every day uh, writing up all the rules and laws for integration of the complete Americas uh, this was discussed initially to the public or at least revealed openly in the free trade negotiations and uh, Shelley Ann Clark if you remember went across Canada she drew up all the books for negotiations between US and Canada she was the highest uh, civil paid well, the, the, the longest or highest grade civil servant in Canada at the time in Ottawa and uh, she came out trying to tell the public that uh, we've just given away our country because we're all merging together with the, the U.S. and Mexico to be followed by Chile. And she did say back in the, the late 80s, early 90s, that it would, it would be officially um, recognized in 2005. Well, a little, a little two or three liner came out in 2005 in March, and that's when they admitted that Fox and... And, and Martin and Bush had signed the North American Agreement to basically merge. So in, in, in actual fact, it's already happened, we just don't know it yet. Yeah, all we're running towards, all we live through, in fact, our whole lives, is one long-range business plan, and most of it in your life was planned before you were born. Hmm. Uh, let's talk about uh, some of the players, uh, 
not necessarily specifically by name, but just how they, they operate. These are ancient uh, bloodlines, uh, many of them belonging to secret societies. And uh, you mentioned uh, that they have this breeding program. Mm -hmm. um, now, does that mean that their, their wives are selected for them? Uh, I, like, for example, I heard that John F. Kennedy, he didn't choose uh, Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy. Mm -hmm. She was chosen for him. I mean, uh, quite you know, a remarkable uh, woman, beautiful woman. Yep. Uh, he probably certainly would have welcomed the opportunity to marry her. But is, is that how it works? They are chosen for them to preserve mm -hmm. these, these ancient bloodlines? They're chosen for those reasons and for specific qualities. Uh, again, going back to Plato, he talked about this in the Republic. He said, uh, he said that we, the guardian class, and he meant the guardian of the world, of the whole system, the guardian class, uh, don't read out into the, the lower classes. Um, but he, he said, too, that uh, the bureaucratic elite uh, that they would use could be specially bred for specific qualities. So if you wanted a woman uh, or an offspring with a, a certain scientific inclination, say physics, you would mate them up with a, a male of the same, and it's a good chance the offspring will, will carry that same ability. So this was known thousands of years ago, and if we go down through kings and queens and aristocracies over the hundreds and hundreds of years up to the present day, they still have their partners chosen for them. And now they certainly do make sure that they, they also marry money uh, they always merge money together and often huge tracts of land, sometimes countries, in fact, were handed over in the dowries. That was common. Uh, so, um, yeah, they're matched up for, for, for wealth, power, and uh, certain abilities. Uh, what about a guy like Clinton? Now, again, we're not talking about uh, as, as wealthy as they may be now through his speaking engagements, etc. Just a quick aside, it's always interesting how you know, presidents uh, like Richard Nixon when they are uh, when they are president, not actually particularly very wealthy men, and they're making about a hundred thousand dollars a year. As soon as they leave office, they become immensely wealthy. Uh, but um, now, when we're talking about the Clintons or we're talking about the Kennedys, we're not talking about these. These are not the ancient bloodlines. These are not the true ruling elites. These are the, the, the bureaucrats. These are the the, the 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 foot soldiers, I guess. Really, aren't they? Uh, they're they're a higher bureaucratic class, really. Uh, the Clinton lineage, if you look at the Clintons down through the U.S. history, they're quite uh, extensive, right back to the, the Revolution. And, in fact, there was Clintons on both sides fighting for the British and the Americans, uh, the very wealthy people at the time. Yes, the cover story for him was just, you know, a poor boy from, from Arkansas, mm -hmm. the product of a, a single mother, an abusive stepfather, etc. Not true? Uh, no, Benjamin Franklin talked about bringing back in the, um, the wife of Kennedy, uh, Franklin belonged to the Hellfire Club. He, he belonged to every high Masonic Rosicrucian group at the time. Uh, and the Hellfire Club in England, in London, High Wycombe, um, they, they had uh, uh, their own prostitution house, but it wasn't uh, at the average prostitute. It was selective uh, women who carried what they called special genes. We call it today special genes, certain qualities. And the head of that house at the time was uh, Madame Bouvier, uh, she was a, uh, an ancestor of, of uh, Jacqueline Kennedy. Sure. And so uh, it was an honor to mate with her for the offspring if you had served the great work. That's how it worked in those days. So even that was a, a high honor, was to mate with someone who carried the right kind of genes, and then you, that offspring would be elevated to a higher position. Amazing. All right, we'll uh, step away momentarily, come back on the other side and continue our discussion 
with Alan Watt cutting through the matrix right here on the Richard Serrett Show, News Talk 1010 CFRB. I am not having a nervous breakdown. I haven't lost my senses. I've come to them. News Talk 1010 CFRB. Welcome back. Alan Watt, my guest, cutting through the matrix.com. Uh, Alan, how does one uh, arise uh, to the lower, at least the lower echelons? I mean, you can't become part of the ruling elite. That's a birthright, uh, these ancient uh, families, bloodlines. I guess in that case we'd be talking about uh, the Habsburgs from the Holy Roman Empire, the Windsors, uh, the Rothschilds, etc. But how, is it, how, can, uh, how does one rise through uh, or up to at least the, the lower echelons of this uh, elite uh, group? It's, it's one of the things which happens in uh, what's loosely called Freemasonry. You, uh, many people join it at university under different names. And uh, it's, it's those ones in particular who may get introduced to their potential wife by a grandmaster who will make a suggestion, which is really an order, if you, if you take a word from the wise, as they say. And it's the third generation they can go beyond the 33rd degree. That's what they're after. The third, the third generation offspring of selective breeding of, of Freemasons and women who've been reared by uh, in Freemasonic families and probably members of the Eastern Star. That's how it traditionally was. Uh, traditionally was. How about today? Yeah, but pretty much the same, actually. Uh, as, as I say, it's the third generation they want. So the, the first generation, if you were introduced to a wife, who is uh, has been brought up as a, uh, in a Freemasonic family? The offspring can go higher than you, maybe around the forty, but but uh, it's a third generation who can go much much higher, uh, up to around ninety or so, or even beyond ninety ninety six. There are ninety six degrees. Uh, in some of them, uh, even in the OTO, uh, the Order Templi Orientis, which Alistair Crowley. Uh, took over. It already existed. It is a Masonic Institute. They have 96. I was not aware. I knew there were degrees above 33rd degree, but I did not know it went that high. Yeah, it goes beyond that, too. Then you go into the noble orders, you see, where you're knighted, and then you go up from there. Uh, you know, the, the picture that you've painted uh, for us uh, is it's kind of... Um, Sad, isn't it? I mean, it's dark and it's sad. I mean, how do how how, how do us uh, useless eaters, as Kissinger I think uh, once referred to us, the rest of us plebes, uh, the proletariats down here, uh, who will never achieve uh, you know even the lower echelons of the elite uh, class through mm-hmm. Freemasonry, etc. Uh, how do we come to terms with this uh, rather uh, uh, I don't know the gray existence? It, it truly is a matter of cutting through different levels and and accepting it. It doesn't mean that you run off in all different directions and, and look for space aliens or reptiles or anything. It, it means that you cut through uh, by understanding, first of all, who you really are, not the composite that you've been made into, with your, what you think are your likes and dislikes and all the rest of it. These have all been marketed to you and uh, you've had a good indoctrination through the, the social school system. Um, very few people truly know themselves. Uh, they parrot what everyone else parrots, and, and that's why they think they're normal. If uh, the next-door neighbor says the same as I do on different topics, then he must, I must be saying that's how you judge your sanity. Uh, and in reality, we're all kept in tremendous ignorance on one level, and yet on another level, 
the information has been published by the elite themselves in various books over oh, 100 odd years or more. Uh, still, uh, you know, it, it, it is a cage and we are slaves, but it's a comfortable cage, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We have all the amenities and some of the things that, that our culture, artificial as it may be, have to offer are, are quite nice. The, you know, music, art. Yeah, you, you always entertain people. Aldo Huxley, uh, when he gave the, the lecture at Berkeley, which is on my website, you can hear him talking, uh, Huxley said the reason that um, Rome fell, uh, and he told the partial truth, but not all of it, he said was because the, the elites couldn't provide enough bread and circuses for the people. And he, he said, but however, run by a scientific dictatorship, or oligarchy too, and he, he really referred to the oligarchy that ran it. Um, he said there was no reason that he could foresee why it shouldn't work indefinitely. And that's what's happened, it's, been, it's actually happened. Uh, you know, we don't call it the Roman Empire anymore, but it has, it's still the same, right? It's the same, it's yeah. the same bloodlines, etc. That's right. I mean, they didn't have sports arenas. Um, in the early days of H.G. Wells, and it was Wells that said himself, he says, we shall give sports stadiums across the, the, the countries and addict the people to sports. Um, and they've done that. That's all you hear now. It's marketed right to you. And the average guy is, grows up thinking, well, to be accepted, I better like sports, or at least pretend I do. And, and it's nonstop. Uh, so... Things like that are actually given to us to keep us occupied, uh, not thinking it's harmless because uh, when you're giving vent that way in your powerless life, watching a team win for you, in reality, nothing's really happening in your own personal life. You're not winning at work. You're not winning at the office. You're not even winning at home. And then you have uh, wars, which are very handy to siphon off the less desirable elements from any society at any given time. Yes, and, and this is no secret. Uh, as I say, it's been well written about by the big institutes. Um, uh, Jax Atali, uh, who wrote Millennium, uh, is a big player. He's working at the United Nations now, but he was the, Kissing, the Kissinger for Europe who spearheaded the amalgamation of the, the, the European side, all the countries together. And he wrote Millennium, and, and that was published about 1990. And he said... Uh, uh, that after Europe, uh, the United States will start to merge and it'll completely deindustrialize as, as the jobs and factories go to China primarily. He said, and the next boat people the world will see will be American citizens and North American citizens leaving uh, their homelands looking for work abroad. Well, on that happy note, uh, Alan, we'll, uh, we'll put a cap on it and say goodnight. I thank you again. The website is cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Is there a, a 1-800 number you want to give out, or did they order all of your, your CDs and videos from there? It's all on the site, the website. Cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Alan Watt, always a pleasure. Thank you. It's a pleasure, too. All right. Bye-bye.